This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to iFanboy.com special edition podcast on X-Men The Last Stand.
Hi, and welcome to the iFanboy.com podcast. We're doing a special edition uh, of X-Men The Last Stand because uh, we certainly merits discussion. Uh, we all went out and saw the movie, and we thought that in addition to the regular Pick of the Week podcast, we'd do a quick show here. Uh, I'm Josh. I uh, am one of the uh, co-creators of the website here with Ron hey. and Connor. And uh, Connor, take it away. Well, Ron and I went to see it together last night in Manhattan, and... Um, I think both of us were, were sort of anxious because we felt good about it, we felt bad about it, we felt good about it, depending on the, we, the time of day. We had dinner right beforehand, and it was just kind of like back and forth of, oh, this is going to be bad, or I hope it's good. We, we couldn't decide. And then there's about 20 minutes into the film, uh, out of the corner of my eye, I see Ron holding his head in his hands. <laughs> L- literally. Um, and, and that's, that's what just, it didn't, it went downhill from there. And I think Ron should start us off because this is. This is hurting him bad. Oh my god, I can't believe it. <laughs> I just can't. No, I know a part of it is, is that I, I I probably went into this giving Ratner, and I don't even know if I blame Ratner for this, but I give, give the whole production crew the benefit of the doubt that you know basically Singer wrapped up a nice package for them, and I really didn't think that they would be able to screw it up as badly as they did. <laughs> And Connor is right. It was probably at about at the twenty or thirty minute mark where I sunk my ha- head in my hands and I just and I was just I was just shocked that and as it's hard to even form the words. <laughs> and for, well, it's a podcast. Yeah, for, so. for those for those of you who have, who have visited ifanboy.com and saw earlier in the week, um, I was lucky. You know, I was lucky enough to be have been interviewed for. Um, uh, a fan reaction or fan, you know, like anticipation of the X Men movie, and I'm just kicking myself for for being as excited and for <laughs> and for saying some of the things I did because I'm practically defending the movie without even seeing it. Going, I'll, I'll wait till somebody else is going to read that yeah. and be like, "Hey, that guy, he knows what he's talking about." Yeah, exactly, and, it, and it'll I be your fault. And and so let, let me start. Let, let me just start to kind of try to whittle down as to what what why I had such an adverse reaction to it. Um, my main thing is that, like, I understand that, you know, reading the X-Men for, you know, 15 plus years or whatever, I, I, am I'll be the first person to tell you that I'm not expecting the comic in the movie. I, I know it. I think that's the first mistake people are, are making. Yeah, which, but, but that's the thing is that I, I never, I've never expected that. I mean, like, right down to the, the first X-Men movie when Wolverine made the crack about you guys go out in these things about the uniforms and Cyclops said, um, you know, what do you, what'd you expect? Yellow spandex? You know, like, that was, that was a good joke because that was a joke, you know, you know, pointed at people like that who wanted Wolverine in yellow spandex, you know, and, and it would just, if you put Wolverine in the costume that he wears in the comics, it'd look ridiculous. So I'm, I'm beyond that. I'm okay with that. The problem is, though, is that... And that's personal growth. Thank you. It's good. X, X1 and X2 are fantastic movies, in my opinion, because they are true to the vision of the comic. They're not literal translations of it, but they're true to the vision. X3 is so beyond the vision. It, like, what, it's hard... What it, how I feel about it is that it just feels ridiculously rushed... Well, that's what things said after what you said. It felt like every rushed project you've ever worked. Yeah, I mean, on. I, I happen I happen to work in in an industry where we work on lots of large projects that should take, you know, twelve to sixteen months that we get done in eight months, and then we wonder why they, they're crap. Like that's that's exactly what it is. It's like it, it almost is like Singer moving to Superman and them knowing that Superman would be competition and they had to get it out before Superman. I think was probably the worst thing that could ever happen in this movie. 
the the story was had hole the, the story had holes the story lacked cohesiveness um i mean like i don't know how specific we want to get onto it but like the it all dates back to that quote from Avi Arad from a couple of months ago where he downplayed the dark phoenix as as a, a enough story for a movie yeah. it's like it's like they 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 have a, a bag of all elements from the comics and they just basically shook it up and stuck their hand in and pulled something out and said okay dark phoenix Okay, this cure. All right, and and they're just pulling out. It's like it's almost like a, a a party game where they're pulling. You know, okay, now let's make a movie out of this stuff. And it just didn't seem to have the vision or the um, totality that the other movies did in terms of um, in terms of getting a story across. It absolutely was entertaining. It absolutely looked good. It absolutely sounded good. And it's a summer blockbuster movie, but it lacked any of the depth that I would be looking for in an X Men movie. Well, I mean, I thought I thought the first two films were very good at. At really delving into the character's emotional. I mean, think about the scene where Pyro's in Iceman's house in the second yeah, film. Yeah, I mean, there was nothing like that at all in the in the in this film. There was no there was no subtlety in this film. No, no. Yeah, and it was it was it was filmmaking by Sledgehammer. Oh, absolutely. I mean, was, everything was everything was hit hit you over the head. Absolutely, and 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 don't I mean like and and I I tr- I'm trying not to be nitpicking or whatever, but the way the the fact that we the the fact that. W- what they, how they they were handed a perfect. <laughs> Give him a glass of water. It's they were handed a perfect story with Gene and Phoenix and Cyclops, and I don't know if it's because Marsden had to go do Superman or whatever, but they just completely dropped the ball. Did you want to see them actually do the Phoenix story as it was in the comic book? Well, no, well, no, because no, no, no well, I think that's the point he's making. Was uh, you can't I, translate just, it. Yeah, is that is that I I I I think that the way they handled Phoenix in the movie is probably more realistic and understandable than she was bonded with a cosmic entity. Like I, I agree, I understand, and and then the fight on the blue, you know, but but like the the thing is, is that they first off, I mean, I know we joke about Cyclops being boring or whatever, but. Of all the characters that have lived and died in the comics, Cyclops persists. That's true. And the fact that he's dead in this movie means that I have no desire to see the fourth movie. Not just dead, but dead off screen. Dead, yeah, dead off. Yeah, and I know, I know, it could be argued that well, we didn't see a body, so he could be alive and whatever. But like, no, no, dead off. Not only dead off screen, but he's the first dead and the last to get a tombstone. It was like there was absolutely no respect given to the character whatsoever. It was like, and the fact that it was done off screen, like we didn't even like, it, like oh, it was just, it was just awful. Just, I just, it, it, it hurts me to even think about it. It was, fun. It was another. Well, this is. I don't know if you find this funny or not, Ron, yeah. but we went, Ron and I went with a bunch of people. My sister was sitting next to Ron, and I was talking to her after the movie, and she said during one of the emotional scenes, or quote unquote emotional scenes, um, Ron had his head down and was holding his fo- forehead. She, 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 she thought. Wow, this scene sucks, and he's getting upset about it. Then she realized you were just mad about the movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody we saw it with hated it. So it's not just a comic book nitpicky thing. I mean, I, there was no reaction. I kind of threw my hands up silently a couple of times, like you get that, but like I had no way to do anything with it or anything. Like, I, first of all, I just this is just me being a grouchy old man. I'm I'm never going to see a movie in a theater again. Because I hate humanity. We actually had a pretty good. Yeah, I had no complaints theater. whatsoever. Yeah. I had like annoying girls who had a small grasp of fan stuff. They'd be like, "That's Quill." I'm like, "Shut up!" <laughs> Loudly, and it was all sorts of stuff, and it just like that takes it away from it. And 
it's not like I, I think I always expect it when we do like midnight shows of events like when we went to Phantom Menace or we did like Lord of the Rings or something like that. So if you go to the midnight show, you get a really good crowd. Right. And, but the Friday night in Burbank crowd is not. But that's that's neither here nor there. They loved it, by the way, the crowd, uh, which is also evidenced by the fact that this is now, I think, the like the highest grossing movie in the history of all movies that open on Memorial Day, or it will be by yeah, the time you hear this. Yeah, but that, happens every, grossing. that happens every Memorial Day, almost. Doesn't matter. It means, yeah. it, what At it means is that... this year it will be, yeah. And, you'll, and, and these people will be handed more movies. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the, ex, the chances of X4 directed by Brett Ratner... Are no exponentially increased. I will tell you this: the chances of X four being seen by me is almost zero. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't think it was not just one of the worst comic book movies. I thought it was one of the worst movies. Period. Well, I think I've that is the time. that is the, the the crux of this whole thing is that people want to say, well, it's a good comic book movie, or it's a, it's like first and foremost, it should be a good movie. Right. And there's no such thing as a bad movie that's a good comic book movie. And I I dege- I, I reject that idea. Like when people say. Well, you know, this isn't that bad. It could have been worse. At least it's you know a comic book movie, and I, I think that's ridiculous. And what it I, does is it yeah. lends credence to the idea that a comic book is is fluffy and stupid and and can't hold any merit to it. Which I think if Ron, who's been reading X Men forever and really actually you know has uh, an emotional connection with these characterizations, you know, for a long time, has proven that that's not possible. And he's not an idiot. He's he's a real person with with grown up emotions, and and they're real. And it has significance, and so even even sorry, they're real. Even when you talk about me like I'm not here, <laughs> <laughs> I think. I mean, there were some things that were okay. I thought um, I liked the, I liked the Kitty. Well, well, wait before before Kitty was before awesome. we get into specific things. That's almost my biggest problem about it. When I think about it, is that there are individual moments and glimpses of it being okay. Like, and those are the things that that the people who have liked it have said. Oh, but there was this thing, right. and this thing, and this thing. It's like, great, those are all little moments, and if you want to make little short films of that stuff, fine, but they don't add up to a good movie, exactly. and a story exactly. is and the it, thing. And it's not even like make short short films out of these moments, because they weren't even that long enough, but it was gl- right. It was glimmers of the right path, and right. and to, to kind of see it off in the distance, and then have it be, and then to be shaken and turned to the left down this horrible path that we were forced down upon. <laughs> Which is painful, but other than that, I agree. Kitty was one of the high points, and thank God, you know, because she's a hot. I checked up on it, by the way. She's nineteen, thank God. Legal. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but I, I was thinking about this all last night and today. I think the biggest problem I had was that they crammed just so much into it that you couldn't even you couldn't think about it. Jean Grey was supposedly the big turning point to this film, and she's hardly in the movie. Yeah. I, she actually no, she, anybody. she was in it, but she stood in the background doing nothing for huge periods they, of time. They just stuffed so many characters in that so that so that comic fans would go, "Oh, hey, there's Moira McTaggart." Or though, oh wait, but, um, wait, wait, wait. By the way, she, she's hot. I'm sorry, the accent and that—that's the chick from uh, Rushmore, the teacher. Oh, Olivia Williams. Yeah, big fan. Anyway, all right, sorry. Yeah, but you know, they spent so much time sticking in these moments that fans would recognize the fastball special and the characters oh. that they, you never got to actually spend any time with anybody of any consequence. Yep. But and here's my like, question: What's the point of pleasing the fans? Because how many comic book fans could there actually be who are making up the money for this? I mean, like, like if you really look at the percentage of the audience who go to see a summer blockbuster movie, how many of them are actually dedicated comic book fans? It's got to be a very small percentage. So, what's the point of that? Well, well the point the point is is that is that they're a small percentage, but they'll be the loudest online, and some people happen the to vocal, be obsessed the buzz. obsessed with the buzz. That's true. You know? That's true. Um, by the way, uh, Kitty Pride, she might be nineteen, but she was born in nineteen eighty seven. Think about that. 
Hey. <laughs> 19 is 19. Is 19 my <laughs> Greatest thing about teenagers is they're all the same age, and I just can't yeah, forget. Butchered that line. <laughs> yeah, I did. You butchered the other one last week. <laughs> I get older, but they stay the same age. There it is. Anyway, Cut that out. Um, <laughs> So um yeah no so so and the thing is is that like I'm sure that there and I there were even a couple of people on on ifanboy.com who mentioned that they loved it. I'm sure there's people who who have seen the Flash movie and absolutely loved it when Vinnie Jones said I'm the juggernaut bitch, but I yeah. have never been more embarrassed than when when that that line was uttered. It's just yeah. it's just like that's just play, it's just playing to the lowest common denominator and I apologize. I, agree. I apologize if you're a fan of that, but I I you know, it just, it just, uh, you know, like the same thing with whatever, with this, you know, it's funny with snakes on a plane doesn't mean they needed to do it for X-Men, you know, like it's not, Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It was just a half an hour too short. Yeah. It was, it was one, one hour 45 and it was crammed full of stuff and they could have easily let it breathe another half an hour. I wasn't sad to get out of there. No, I wasn't sad to get out of there either, but, but, it, but, but. Because it was the, so the, bad. The, combina- the combinations of the moments. That that could have been good, combined with the fact that okay, if they were good and they took the time that they that they could that that they if they had taken the time that they could have, if this movie had come out around Christmas or at the end of the summer or whatever, could it have been you know a good movie? Like like it was great to see Angel, and I, I was fantastic to see Angel flying. He was he, he was no point in the film. No point in the film, and I, and not it, to mention that that him flying as well as every other character who flew through the air, like. I almost could see the cables. Yeah, I, you, you're you're touching. I made notes. I have notes for this. I prepared, okay. and you, that was two of them. Let's, we can actually. The fun part when people send us hate mail can be when we go through this. Angel, if I'm not correct, if I'm not incorrect, is a character. A, you're right. He had no point in the story. Why is he there? If not, well, no. His, his point was is, is that the fact that he was a mutant motivated his father to to sure. have the right understood. But then his big his big redemption is that somehow he flew from Westchester to San Francisco just in time to save his father. <laughs> you know what's funny is that that guy is a really good actor. Ben no, Foster. he's not. I'm sorry, but whatever. he is too. Anyway, but anyway, anyway so. <laughs> either way though. He's a good actor, and he like he looked cool in the whole thing. But if I'm not mistaken, Angel Warren Worthington III is supposed to be a beautiful man, tall, six foot, blonde hair, yeah. athletic, the Aryan Playboy. prince. Yeah. Okay, that guy's five foot four. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. And he doesn't look like he doesn't look like he. I mean, I this is totally this is me problem. nitpicking. I know, but like the point of the character is he's all these wonderful things. No, he's true. an angel. He's a beautiful thing, and and like his one thing that is beautiful about him is also the thing that's very ugly about him, depending on who you are and who you're looking at him. And they kind of took that away. Like he's supposed to be, you know, everything, you know, to to you know, behold beautifully, and that's part of his character. I I mean it, it, I I hear what you're saying, but I I mean they made him, they gave him a nice haircut, they made him look attractive. I mean, he, I thought when he walked yeah. in in the suit. He looked, you know, he looked like Angel. So yeah, I mean, I, I I could go with that. I mean, that the, the thing is, is that like I understand that there are there are certain things that need to like like for example, a lot of people are making a big deal over the fact that they made Juggernaut like a mutant and they didn't, you know, that's bullshit. And they didn't. That makes perfect they, sense. They didn't though. make yeah. that. His, they didn't make that his you know his powers were me- mystical as they are in the comics. That makes perfect sense. That's fine. I can deal with that, right? Mm-hmm. But what bothers me is that like the character of Callisto. Who is a long-running character in the X universe? To mix her powers with Quicksilver's makes no sense. To is that who that was? Because I didn't know who she was. Yeah, she she was supposed to be Callisto, and Callisto's powers are that she has heightened senses and she's got strength and agility. Those are her powers in the comics, at least up until recently. Then when she had and she can sense mutants or whatever. no, she can't sense mutants. That's Caliban. 
Like oh. the, she, the Callisto in the movie was is a mix of three different characters in the books: the original Callisto, Quicksilver, and Caliban. Caliban who detects okay. mutants, Quicksilver who's fast. Okay. And who was the horrible, weird-looking she-he thing that would follow that person? By around? the way, I thought that was a guy until they until I saw that she had boobs. <laughs> I seriously thought it was a guy. Apparently, well, who, I looked her up. Apparently, she's a mom. Yeah, Arclight. And she was in one of the other. Uh, Brett Ratner movies. Well, I don't know how she got this job. Yeah, no, but um, and the thing is that like I was glad to see that it was that they had um ArcLight as a ArcLight was one of the Marauders, and mm-hmm. you know, and the thing is is that and it was a woman and she was able to um do shockwaves like that was that was right on like actually ArcLight right. was one of the ones that were right on, but like the the <clears throat> the Quill character, the character with the quills. In, if you look in the credits, that guy was in Oz. If you look in the credits, his character's name is Kid Omega. Yeah, I saw okay, that. Yeah, and there was and Psylocke was there, except that her powers seemed to be camouflaged with the wall as opposed to tele- telepathy. And I didn't see that at all. And, and now we're getting, you know, now I'm getting into the nitpicks and stuff like that. But the, but when you move away from the the core of the characters and you mix and match to get across your story, you're moving away from the vision of the book. And that's that's what bugs me. And furthermore, I gotta tell you, I'm you know, like it's wasn't so much in X two that much at all, although a little bit, but I'm really um, was sick of the Make the mutants look all post-apocalyptic and trendy dressers, and give them tattoos and all kind of that stuff. Like the friggin' vampires in Blade. Yeah, exactly. It's like come on. Like the whole point is that they're, that you don't know who's a mutant, and and like you know where's your tattoo, and make them all like kind of homeless. And I exactly I place less blame on Brett Ratner for this movie and more blame on Grant Morrison, because when they go and research these the the, um, the comic to do the book, they're picking up Grant Morrison's run. They're like, well, look at here. They're all these wacky looking mutants, and they're all freaks, and they all do this kind of stuff. And that's what's coming well, through, which isn't. And Grant Morrison's run wasn't true to the, the vision of the X Men in general, and that's what permeated through the through this book. I mean, through this one movie. of the things that I liked about Grant Morrison's run, though, and I, I only, I've only read read some of it, but one of the things that I, I got out of it that I think was actually missing from this movie is that. Um, it's sort of in contrast to what you're saying. All the people who followed um, Magneto around looked like they were like, you know, leather-wearing club goers yeah. for whatever reason. Um, but later, when they show the, or not later, but in the part when they show the line of, of mutants waiting this to is get normal the cure, people. Yeah. they were all normal people. They look like extras. Yeah. yeah. Where's the chicken guy? Right. Where's the guy who's really gonna want to get the cure? And then furthermore, across the street are the picketers who also all look like normal people. Like, yeah, just those were the times. And you have the ability. It's a huge budget movie. You have the ability to do something really interesting with stuff like that, well, and it just well, like and, missed. And that's the thing, though. Is it was it a huge budget movie? Like, was it a huge budget movie because they had to pay Hugh Jackman and Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart? Because they sure as hell I think it was the actors. Yeah, because they sure the as hell didn't spend it on the on the on the um, on the effects. Because uh, Connor, what was that article you found earlier that said uh, Colossus wasn't actually CGI and it was actually a skin tight bodysuit that the guy wore? Yeah, he actually it wasn't CGI like the second like, film. It was what they bodysuit. they wrap him in tinfoil. Okay, and Basically. as cool and as as great as it was to actually see a fastball special, which by the way should not happen in real life because it looked ridiculous. But it did look but, ridiculous. Uh, they don't normally do the whip around thing. No, do they? they don't. He picks them up and he throws. He throws it, it like a baseball. Yeah, exactly. And the, but the problem is, in in reality, the whip around thing does make sense. But the fact that that Logan is almost as tall as Colossus in this makes it look ridiculous. Yeah. But the problem is that like in the opening scene in the danger room, he throws Wolverine, and then we see the Sentinel head fall and Wolverine walk out from behind it, like. I saw that. Yeah, that was all neat and everything, but how freaking disappointing was that? That was like off-camera trickery. You know what I mean? Well, None of that. It was a to watch him walk out from behind it was stupid. Was Have him at least climb out of it. And the head looked 
awful and like it was like I know I'm I know I'm nitpicking here but like the, it, it ties into the fact that anyone who flew through the air looked you could see the cables the fact that it, that the, it just it looks like they cut corners on the special effects and like when the beast would jump out from somewhere and his one leg kicked out and you could just see you could you could see the wire it looked like he's like okay let me down slow yeah. and good Ron do we even want to talk about Wolverine Wolverine how nice was he Wolverine doesn't well, I'm sorry Wolverine doesn't cry much less three times in the movie no I mean I he also doesn't walk out at the end of the movie and look over his lawn like it's been freshly mowed and he's proud of it yeah, yeah it was just. Uh... <laughs> Just so it was just so. It weird. felt like it wasn't even the same world as the first two movies. And and the thing, yeah, exactly, exactly. And the thing is, is that like they to- they totally reused like the, like I when Ro when they in X one when Ro used her powers and you could see like the the life force going through the people's veins, you know, don't use that again on Jean to show when she goes bad to see all the blood vessels in her face go, you know, yep. like, that's just, you've already used that. And one. it happened when Scott was killed. Yeah, exactly. And the thing know. is, is that, like, and it, they had the source material right in front of them, and I understand it was all dramatic because Wolverine loves her and he had to kill her and stuff like that, but just make her kill herself. They, I mean, I, I know probably they don't want to have a suicide in a, in a summer blockbuster movie or whatever, but at least then that would be a nod to the original to the original source text as opposed to something... Well, that, I, I would I would argue that, that she allowed him to do it. Possibly. I mean, it, and that, Well, here's and, why, and because is, she's blowing stuff up all over the place and he's walking towards her. She could have just blown him up. Right. Right, and she didn't. So I have to think that the only reason he got there is because she subconsciously let him get there. Well, no, no. I think the whole reason was that he got there was because of the healing factor and the adamantium. Right? Nah, but she just blew everybody up immediately. Yeah. He, he, she, he's not any tougher than that. Yeah, he's he could have just been blown up immediately, like every just, other well, person. That, this is this is a problem. I mean, this is oh, so bad. Yeah, I mean, and Ugh. and the thing is, is that in that in in later books, more recently in the past couple of years, there have been situation where Jean was turning Phoenix, and she needed Wolverine to take her out to kill her. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, which. But to me, like, it, like when you're talking about Dark Phoenix, this is it. Just, it, I don't know. It just seemed to make mo- so much more sense that she would take her life. But then again, she didn't do anything in this that was other than just kind of losing control every now and then and killing a bunch of people. I mean, we're in the Dark Phoenix saga. She killed. Eight, you know what? Eight she never people. even really lost control. Exactly. Yeah. The whole thing that Professor Xavier saying he had to control her because she was this wild, um, you know, all ego, all id character who just, you know, full of passion and anger. That person never emerged. She was basically catatonic the whole movie. Yeah. Even standing around at the end when she was killing everybody, she wasn't showing like any kind of yeah. rage. Yeah, she just stood there, stand in the background. I think somebody brought it up on the site, and I, I agreed um, that like the whole final scene where Magneto's army, like he's supposed to be like really smart. It was the dumbest plan in the history of time. Yeah, I'll send all the people running at them, and then we'll fling some cars. That's about all I got. And, se- and send fine. the juggernaut to go get the kid, right? Who you don't know. Yeah. Who you don't know will negate but, powers. Yeah, it's just okay. Let's uh, let's uh, let's go to the little things. Is there is there anything good that any that you guys like? Was there anything fun in there? Just just so we're not all. I I will I can see through my hatred to say that I absolutely loved Madrox. There was a great moment. I wrote that was that one, not so much the first scene where he showed up, but that other scene. No, the, no, every scene Madrox was in was fantastic. When they when they first. Now, can you answer the question? What, what, was he a bad guy? Well, no, he they, that's the, the that's the thing. He what? But he he he. Well, he I think when he was first introduced, he was a bad guy, similar to the same way when Banshee was first introduced, because that was <laughs> that was how they introduced characters in the X Men back in the day was that they would they they have powers they don't know what to do with it they're on the wrong side of the law then they get redeemed by joining the X Men. So that right. so he so he was a bad guy for like a split second, but he's been a good guy for longer than ever. But okay. the thing is, that almost doesn't matter because it it's all mixed up in the movies as it is anyway. So 
you know, I mean, like the, you know, like Psylocke is a good is is good, is on the good guys. Yet she was on Magneto's side because she was one of the weird mm-hmm. new wave mut- mutants, you know, like so. <laughs> but um, but but Madrox when they freed him out and they say, "Do you want to join us?" and he's like, "Okay, I'm there." You know, like he had the attitude, he had the kind of the Jamie kind of like sarcasm, and right. and just to see the powers in action. Although the the fun. the forest scene when he duped him. The, mm-hmm. When he was sucking in his dupes, looked a little cheesy, but I'll I'll get past it because it was good. It was good, and as bad as the effect was, it was awesome to see Iceman ice up. Although I would have liked to have seen his entire body and not just his head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, I'll give you that. Yeah. What did you What did you think of Juggernaut? I actually didn't mind. Juggernaut. I didn't mind Juggernaut either at all. I mean, he looked he looked like Ram, he looked more like Ram Man than yeah. like Juggernaut, but I didn't I didn't mind him at all. I mean, it's a real life. I I, I don't know. See, because I don't I didn't like I did not like him. Maybe it's just because I like Vinnie Jones and I like to hear him talk. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like the bitch line. It was stupid. He could have just said, I'm the Juggernaut. It would have been fine. Yeah. Well, they were referencing the stupid cartoon. No, I know. I know that now. I didn't at the time, but I didn't like it e- anyway. Either way, most people don't know. If it's not a, if you don't know about the reference, it's still a stupid line. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, let's see. Storm. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to waste time on Halle Berry. I think she was. I, here's what I'm gonna. Here's what I'm gonna give to her. I don't think she was bad. Well, I don't think she was good. She was Brett Ratner. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I like the fact in the story that it was her and Callisto f- squaring off because they they squar- squared off in the comics. Um, right. But then the other thing is, is that is that one of the one of the the long standing precepts of the X Men is that the X Men don't kill. Similar to the way Batman doesn't kill or whatever. There was a lot of killing in the, in this movie. And the yeah. fact that Storm out and out murdered Callisto was so out of character. Okay, but yeah. anyway, but whatever. I mean, you know, but so I, one of the characters who I like is Pyro. Yeah, yeah, he was good. He was, I yeah, he was good. He is good. However, and because uh, there's always a however, like the end scene is him and him versus Iceman. Okay, this makes sense. Fire versus ice. Blah blah blah. Because they were friends. Okay, and, now they're completely yeah. perfectly matched and whatever. Now, why did the Iceman win? He did. I know why. Because he just. Thought harder. Yeah, he, the good guy won, but there's no reason. Right, yeah, for no, it. yeah, it was kind of. Forced, it's just yeah. like, well, and now we'll make him win. Yeah. Well, why? I, I need, a, I need something. You, there's smarter writers out there than that, yeah. and I don't need it just because it makes the audience feel good. Um, let's see. I, 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 I don't uh, think I've quite processed the fact that they had just allowed Rogue, they, that Rogue was cured. Rogue just, just, yeah. and just it was so blasé yeah. too. It was like, yeah, you figure a major character like that just dropping out in the middle would have been a bigger impact. Yeah. You know what's funny is that she doesn't look like a teenager anymore for whatever reason, and everybody else still did. I was like, she's just like everybody. She's still supposed to be a teenager, but it's been long enough now that she doesn't really quite pull it off the same way. Um, this, that might this. just be my opinion. How about uh, what about what about what about Beast? Here's the thing, Beast. I mean, while he looked ridiculous in the suit when he was then, and, and, and <laughs> you know, like, but yeah, but I've seen that in comics. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I actually, I think I liked, I liked, the yeah, beast. I liked the beast too. He pulled it off, and he said, "Oh, my stars and garters," and it was. I thought he said it bad. I see that line. I heard it, and I was like, he didn't say it right because he said it like the same way that you would say, "Oh my god," but really, I thought it was more like, uh, "Oh my stars and garters," like you know, uh, like an old bad talk show host or something. Yeah, I don't quite know <laughs> where you're going sense. with that, but um... no, I'm just trying... <laughs> but like, it's not supposed to be. It's not a serious exclamation of something horrible happening. It's like if somebody says you something says something to you that's like body or something like that, and you'd be like, "Oh, you know, it, okay, forget it." Yeah, no, I, I didn't mind the. I mean, I, I, I felt that the line. I was glad. I was happy to hear the line, but I felt that the moment it was forced. It just didn't fit yeah. in that moment. Yeah, is what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I th- 
just give it a, as a much more lighthearted kind of thing that he says. The same way that Spider-Man would say if he's quipping with people as they're attacking him. Not when he finds out that Aunt May is dead. Okay. <laughs> dead air. I hate you both. Um, let me think. Uh, here's, here's my tiny nitpick that has nothing to do with X-Men, okay? Product placement, which we talked about on the site, it's fine. Not everything in the world has Dell on yeah, it. Yeah, the Dell was getting a little annoying. Yeah. Oakley? Not everybody wears Oakley glasses. That lady was not going to be wearing Oakley glasses. I just... And these are the things that people were scared about in the comic book product placement, is that it's going to stand out like that. You can put a Dell monitor in there and fine, but if every single TV in there looks like a brand new shiny flat screen... Pl- not everybody in the world has, fly- has flat screen plasma TVs. Well, the organization that's got big jets probably does. No, but it was everywhere they went and had those things everywhere. It drives me nuts. Um, hmm. And that may be... Oh, and then the other, the, the other thing... There was a dirt... There was just a, a huge amount of horrible lines. And at it was one just point, badly like, written. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was... They're all going off to the fight. And, and Storm turns back to, him, back to Wolverine and says, Will you be ready? I'm like, oh Jesus! They wrote that. Yeah. I mean, although I did like I <laughs> Lindsay looked at me and, and she went. She just looked at me. She goes, delete, 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 delete. I did, they should have known. I did get I did get excited when they were when they got to Alcatraz and when the X Men got there and they all jumped and they landed and and Wolverine yelled to the guard. He's like, you guys co- cover over there and then we hold this line. Like that was cool. Yes. That was th- that was good. Yeah. But what was not cool yeah, but, was when Magneto said, "Go ahead." And all the mutants had exactly the same powers, which was they were all jumpy abilities. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They could run and jump. <laughs> Attack yeah. that way. Yeah. And then they all got killed. Was... And Magneto acted like he couldn't do anything because there were no guns when there were huge fucking metal buildings everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And huge lampposts and everything, and he could have done all sorts of stuff. I thought it was also the, the score was terrible. Yeah, yeah. Every, uh, time, really every time there was a music cue, it, was, it stood out and it was obtrusive and it was... It was just cheesy. It was just a badly done film from a film, from a, just from a basic filmmaking standpoint. I think you know. It was the, I, I think, think the common theme that can be carried through this is similar to one that's in the comics right now. That is, if you have Chris Claremont within your first five minutes, you're screwed. <laughs> and it just started off um, on the wrong foot. You know, what was the saddest moment in the movie for me. You saw you saw Scott get killed. You saw Xavier get killed. You saw other people get killed and whatever. When they took away Magneto's powers, I was the most touched. I was like, oh no, not that. Because he's the most interesting person on that whole screen. That's true. And you took that away from him, and like, and he's the only one who I felt anything for. And, I, and maybe that's, that's just wrong, you know, but like the saddest part of the movie was him losing his mutant ability to me. And much more than anybody else. Maybe because it was, he's the, maybe he was the only person whose character I still believed at this point who was still doing a good job with it. I told Ron after the film, this is his Batman Forever moment. Yeah, oh yeah. He's, he's, he finally had it. Oh uh, yeah, this is, I mean, as... Now he knows how I feel when it turns. And, and what scares me is that as much as X-Men 1 was the beginning of this kind of, you know, resurgence of good superhero movies, I, I'm, I, I, I fear that this is the beginning of the end. What with, um... You feel this is the toll of doom? Yeah, what with Ghost Rider on the horizon, and I told Connor he better worry about Superman. See, no, I'm really Superman. Superman. I think, I think Superman will, will be good, but... Well, that, this was going to be the big battle of the summer, I think, yeah. with Superman versus X Men. But for my money, that that's over. Well, we haven't even <laughs> seen Superman, and we'll see. You know, and the money wise, I think that the battle is money versus quality. And uh, right, see, I don't even care about the money at this point. All yeah. I know is I won't be buying X X Men: The Last Stand on DVD. I might like that's what it for me. I mean, I'll probably get well, it. Oh, here we go. I'll probably get it just for the completest aspect. But I, I'm, <laughs> I'm also God. I'm also going to be very interested to hear the commentary. 
It's like, well, basically, we had to get it done, so we decided to do this. Like, that's all I, I mean, anything... That. He'll act like it's great. It'll be one of those commentaries where they just talk about how fun it was to work with everybody yeah. as they go through it, and the nine billion characters go, oh, John was awesome here. Yeah. Yeah, he was great. And that's it. All right. So disappointing. It was... Yeah. It was, I felt bad for Ron after the movie. He looked so despondent. The guy sitting next to me, who we didn't know, was... Even started asking Ron about it. He's like, he's like, so. he's like, what? He's like, what? What they get wrong? What they do wrong? And I'm like, I don't even know where to start. I'm like, I can't, you know, like, I just, I, I just can't. I just see though. I, the difference. I don't think it was bad because it was not the right kind of X Men. I think it was bad because it was bad. Well, that's what he, that's what that's what it was. I mean, it was bad because it wasn't a good movie. It wasn't. It wasn't done well. It was. It, it told, Ron is right. The most important aspect is it didn't keep the spirit of the X Men yep. that right. was in the first two films. It was this. This was corporate filmmaking. This was not artistic filmmaking. This was corporate filmmaking. Well, artistic filmmaking gets you the Hulk, which I know that you like. No, no, I would even say I would say X two. X X two and X one were definitely artistic filmmaking. Yeah, but well, you're you're talking about a different caliber of director, which is why I have hope for Superman. I, you know, yeah, that's why I think. But the thing is is that I really don't even. I I honestly don't. I mean, I've never seen a Brett Ratner movie before this movie, and I and I'm not going to be so naive to give Ratner 100 percent of the blame because. Be- you should, because I've seen it. No, three no, no, no. Because what I'm going to say is that that there are two guys who wrote that screenplay, and Avi Arad's got to be involved in it. Like, there, there is a. I can't imagine that Ratner sitting there with this ultimate vision to make this not ultimate vision. You know what I meant? But this, this <laughs> with this vision to um to to do to you know like I can't imagine that every. Every um, every decision falls on Ratner's shoulders. I mean, he was handed a script. He came in late. I mean, like, it's almost as if... Can you imagine if the original director got to do it? If Singer had done it? No. Oh, what if... If there was somebody before oh, Ratner. Vaughn? Matthew Vaughn. Yeah. Matthew Vaughn. I have no who, idea. Who, who, Layer Cake, which was in a, a great movie. Yeah. You know what the other thing is? Brian Singer co-wrote the first two. So yeah. So you're losing the good writing. I mean, it was Brian just... Singer is uh, a... a, a, a a director who takes over the whole movie. Yeah, well, as far as as far as I understand it, when he comes in there, he makes the movie he wants to make. Now I don't know if this was movie making by committee or not, but it's you know, like it. Ratner's a pretty big name, so my thought would be they give him the, the reins and he would get to make it. So I I mean the way that I understand movie making, the director the director makes the choices. You know if the director wants to rewrite a part of the script or you know he the he controls what you see up on screen, both in in the pictures and in the certainly editing. one of his of his rank. Yeah. I mean, not like if it's some first-time schmo. Interestingly enough, the writers aren't listed in the credits on um, IMDb. From the review I read, they wrote Behind Enemy Lines and two other Well, one, one of the writers is the guy behind Mr. Fantastic. and Mrs. Smith, yeah. which, is, which was as plagued of a movie as they come. <laughs> God, it was so disappointing. All right, we're wasting too much time this on this. This is enough of this. Yeah, so I fanboy at the movies, two thumbs down. Ugh, th- six thumbs down. And I'm going to go try to... Make some sense of of the of the world now tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully, you know, if you saw it and you enjoyed it, you're a far better person than I am. So. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> stay tuned. Um, in a couple of days, you'll have the regular iFanboy uh, Pick of the Week podcast uh, where we talk about comics. And if you liked what you heard here, go to iFanboy.com and you can get in on the discussion. Tell us what you think of the movie. And. Um, I don't know. We won't hold it against exactly. you. Exactly. We're much more upbeat on the regular podcast. Hey, the mutant has now begun. X-Men!